We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is the hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. to another episode of What the World Needs More of. My name is Jarek Robbins. I'm your host for this journey. Today, we are joined by Jordan Kramer. Jordan, thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm very excited to jump into the question of the show, which is what do you believe the world needs more of? I believe that the world needs more uh, self-love and finding and following your truth. (laughs) I dig that. And, and yeah. how do you bring that into the world each day or, or how do you represent that in your world? I think for me, um, kind of how I would summarize it is I, I kind of took, and it took a long time for me to figure out, so that's why I think it's interesting to share, is I kind of took all of the, the preconceived notions and things that were taught to me as a little girl, like religion and love and career choice and um, you know, things that basically society set up for me and, and, and gave me kind of, this is what it looks like. And here's your operating system. This is how you're supposed to do all these things. And I kind of, you know, with each of those things at different times in my life, uh, took what I believed and, and kind of sat down with everything and, and, and opened it like a big box of like, you know, of, I don't know. I, I deconstructed all the things that, have been told to me. So for example, career choice, you know, everyone's, you know, I grew up believing you chase the nine to five and you go up the corporate ladder and, um, yada, 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 and you end up with this dream job and this dream salary. And I just found myself miserable when I would, when I would do those things and I would follow those dreams and, and follow what people told me to do. And so what I ended up doing is starting to kind of break down where, where my truth will, like lied within that. Mm. And then I had to really trust and love in myself and what my body was reacting and telling me. Mm. So every day at 9am, my body would not get up. <laughs> like not a morning person. That was not my path. And I was finding that like going into work every day was miserable. I even though I loved my job, all different types of jobs, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I had to literally rebuild what a career looked like for me Mm. based on what made me most alive, most passionate, um, feeling the most purpose. Um, So I did trust in myself that that was kind of how I'm going to rebuild. And I did kind of the same thing with religion. Mm. I was raised Christian and um, both my parents are not very religious. So they kind of let my my ex-step-grandma do the way and like lead me to this righteous path. And I kind of got pushed into one avenue and as I got older, I kind of realized that for me, my spirituality is endless and what I believe kind of doesn't have many boundaries. And 
the more I read, the more I opened up kind of what I believed and thought. And again, had to find my own belief system and kind of crack open what I've been told and find where my truth was and, and kind of where I fit and where I believe these things to be true and where I feel most connected. Um, I think I was biking around the Maldives listening to Buddhism for busy people on audiobooks and realized that like, I felt like I was walking into a room where everything felt very familiar versus, you know, some other like points in my life where I felt very like stuffed and contrived. So I kind of liked taking bits and pieces of things that I believe in that I, some of what I've been told and some of what I've explored on my own and kind of found my truth and kind of chose to follow that. And the most recent journey of this, I guess, would be with love um, and kind of partnership in that way. I was also told being from Minnesota that you hurry up and settle down and, you know, you marry your high school sweetheart or you try to go to college and then you halfway through college, you meet your person and then you, you know, there's the white picket fence and the dream waiting for you. And I did that and I just found that I was, it wasn't, it didn't make me essentially happy. Um, I didn't really fit that mold and yeah. And so that's my most recent exploration is kind of what does love look like for me? Is it monogamous? Is it, is it, does it involve marriage? Does it involve kids? Like it, does that sound like something that works for me? And that one I'm just kind of playing with. And I kind of love the freedom of allowing yourself that space to kind of find out where you are at and where your operating system works best for you and kind of customizing that. So I think for me, it's been a journey of really finding where that truth lies in any direction that you bring into your life and then trusting wholeheartedly that that's your journey and your path and, you know, really going after it um, with a lot of love and, and, and gumption. Mm, it's beautiful. It's very yeah. beautiful. And, and speaking of the journey, speaking of all the different stages you've gone through and all the experiences you've had, what would mm -hmm. you consider your wow factor to be? Like what makes you uniquely you and what are a couple of moments that help shape it over the journey? I would say what makes me uniquely me would be my voice um, and my and my vision of what I love and create and do every day and the way that I spend my time um, as well as my inability to take no for an answer. Um, and also I believe in not following that curve. Like I was explaining, just kind of always choosing to forge my own path is what makes me uniquely me because no one can make those decisions for me. I remember when I decided to go on my own, um, and start, you know, creating travel content. Cause I, my, my only goal was to travel and see the world because I believed that there was so much to see and learn from all the people and things around me. And the sooner and faster I got out of where I was living or what, what my comfort level was, the sooner I could expand kind of what I, my understanding is. So when I originally explained to my girlfriends or my parents that I was like, I'm going to quit my perfect nine to five, which was in magazines and, I have to go explore. I have to go, you know, be it. I have to go take photos and, and create content because there wasn't really blog travel blogging at the time. It was not really like a super new thing. Uh, it was still in the baby steps um, in its infancy. So I, I felt really kind of blindly going in a direction um, of what my heart was saying. And I remember like if I told 20 people back then in a room like that, that was my goal. They would say I was insane. 
And then you put those same 20 people in the room now. And of course, everyone's exposed to, you know, travel blogging and influencing and all these things. And of course, all of them are like, I want to do it. How do I do it? Um, so I think that's kind of what makes me uniquely me is I will get a vision or an idea or a feeling of something that I need to chase and follow, whether it's a place um, I need to explore or a brand that I have to work with or a new direction entirely in, in my in my career and things that I want to pursue. I just uh, always listen to that voice and I always turn it up really loud. I think it's kind of like an FM radio and I tune the frequency of where my voice is coming from um, as, as loud and as, and as central as I can when I'm uh, making decisions every day. And I think keeping that is what allows me to stay true to me. Um, and also going through experiences that really shape you. Like for me, moving to New York was a dream since I was 13. And it was, you know, my parents had never been to New York. I was 13 sitting at dinner. I must have seen it in like the movies or or somewhere on TV. And I sat at dinner and I was like, I want to move to New York City. And they were like, oh, well, okay, well, that, that sounds nice. Why? And I was like, I want to be a writer and this is what I want to do. And, you know, of course, my parents thought it was a phase. Um, but yeah, it was just so interesting because the second I had made my mind up, I, that was what I was going to do. And, and what was interesting is I, I ended up picking California for the first year because that's where I was born and that's where half my family is. And it was nicer weather and easier move. And I found myself throughout that year, my first year in LA being so miserable because I didn't listen to what I wanted. Mm. I was in this place. It was beautiful, full of celebrities. It was like a dream from Minnesota to go to LA, but it wasn't me. And I was lost and completely uh, confused on why I didn't listen to my voice. I said, New York, I got into both schools and I chose to take like the easier option that I knew wasn't necessarily what I wanted. So I packed up all my stuff in my car and I drove back home to Minnesota and I was like, I got to start over. And I had one summer before moving to New York. And what happened was I had to work three different jobs because Minnesota wages are tiny and New York apartments are very expensive. Uh, so I basically had to work three different jobs and save all my money. And I missed the cutoff date by one day to transfer into FIT, which is the school that I wanted to go to that I got into originally. Um, and so I was like super devastated by that and super exhausted from working through jobs. And I just decided, I, even though my, and my parents were like, you know what, you didn't get in for fall semester. Maybe you should stay, keep staying over the winter, save more money, do this whole thing. And as anyone from the Midwest might know, and especially Minnesota, it's freezing. So the second it was started to get cold, I was like, no, I'm out of here. And I moved to New York with like $6,000 in my bank account and an apartment that I'd seen on Craigslist and like that in a dream and like my suitcase. And that was it. And the second that I arrived in New York, I got my, uh, you know, all out of, I will never forget it. I got out of uh, the taxi at like Penn Station and wrote to the, you know, person who had the apartment that I was going to see. And long story short, it was this huge setup of this like incredible Ponzi scheme where they showed me an apartment that was a co-op. So it was like something that like a staged apartment for someone looking to purchase the apartment. They had rented a, an apartment, uh, a realtor office that was for the day. So like essentially like they rented like a WeWork for the day and made me fill out all these applications and, 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 and gave them first, last and security, which was all of my money. And they scammed me out of an apartment. 
<laughs> so now I'm sitting in New York with this big dream and uh, waiting. I see, I see my 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 check gets cashed, and I'm I'm in some like tiny little Holiday Inn, the, the Garden Motel or whatever it was at the time. And I see my check get cashed, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. They they approved my thing, and I'm like keeping my parents up to date. And then I don't hear from them and then I don't hear from them and I don't hear from them. And finally I have to like, you know, I'm calling and emailing and everything, nothing is going through. And I go back to the office where they set everything up and there's no one there. (laughs) And I go back to the building and I'm like, I need, I rented, you know, whatever, 9J on this, in this building, I signed the lease, I have all this stuff. And they're like, no, 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 this building is only for sale. Like this is only for tenants that are purchasing an apartment. And so I, it dawned on me that I had been completely scammed and I had no more money and that was it. So what happened, I was like, I cannot go home. I cannot tell my parents. I don't know what to do. And I was like, I, I just had this fire in my stomach. I was like, you cannot give up. Like, this is exactly what you have to do. Like, this is where you're supposed to be. This is supposed to happen to you. Even though it's the worst thing that could happen. Like, there's some reason why this is happening. And I remember... I had seen a few when I was doing my digging and looking for different apartments. I had seen a girl who was a student at FIT, it was like roommates.com, had a, a spare room up in Spanish Harlem. And I desperately like reached out to her and I was like, this is what happened. Oh my gosh, like, please tell me the room is still available. Like, I can try and get something together. And she was like, oh my gosh, our room got rented, but I'm so sorry this happened to you. I, I, I want to help in any way that I can. I ended up for one month crashing in Spanish Harlem on a couch. And then basically the the way that I paid my rent was I was like a cooking and cleaning maid for them, for the students that were living in, the girls that were living in in the apartment. And I basically started to build back this life that I knew I needed. And basically I got an internship at Cosmopolitan Magazine. And like that same like week and a half of being there, I like started working for uh, a photographer that I've met on the street. It was like crazy. I started rebuilding exactly what I knew I needed. And meanwhile, telling my parents like everything's good, apartment's great. Like trying not to scare anybody because I knew that this was kind of me making it, and this was my my test and my journey of like, can she do it? And I think that example is, has kind of. Um, shown up in different areas of my life, you know, with different things. And I think that's kind of what it differentiates someone from everybody else is what, where, where's their threshold? Where does their, where's their max out limit? And I think the world needs more of, you know, the, the following like ferociously your truth and, and kind of finding that, that inner strength for yourself to succeed and, and find your way. Hmm. What a journey. <laughs> what a journey yeah right. hopefully if your parents tune in they they have they heard the story now that everything's yes, good yeah yes, yes my mom i think went to send me a care package and i was like yeah this is the address and she was like Spanish Harlem. i think she was on the next flight out Uh-oh. so yes my parents were both like oh my goodness but like it's part of the new york story which is great it is and it's yeah. part of an adventure um Here's a question. In that journey and in the journey you've been through since, what's a moment that made you feel incredibly humble? Mm. Incredibly humble. I think what makes me, what always baffles me and makes me feel so humble is when I'm traveling, um, any time I encounter uh, a community that has very simple lifestyle, mm-hmm. the happiness that radiates from that 
always humbles me so incredibly, whether it's in Bali, I went on a morning run and I, we were in the, we were in Northern, Northern Bali, which, you know, it was not the Seminyak that so many people know today. Um, and I feel like they had never, they might've never seen a white girl running in the middle of the rice field. So I took a wrong turn down a dusty road and there was like a, all these shacks of beautiful, I mean, there were like mud and sticks and all these things. And it was like about 6.30 in the morning and I was super jet lagged. And as I'm running, I have my headphones in and I'm like running down this random path. There's like chickens and like all these things. And they're smoking out the rice field. So it's like literally a scene out of Nat Geo. And and all of a sudden I start to, like it's bustling in the morning. Everyone's morning routine, like this grandma has a huge basket of laundry on her head and this little kid is binding his books with this like leather strap. And I mean, it was like, I couldn't believe it, but they had so little, there wasn't, it was not, it wasn't, uh, I mean, super impoverished, but they, but there was, it was simple and they didn't have a lot of like the things that we've come to know and need in the U S and what happened was as I was running and I'm seeing like a, a mother, like hanging up all the, you know, clothes and the dad is grabbing like a huge bale of rice and they start turning towards me because I'm running down this alleyway with my headphones on like what like they have no idea what I'm doing and they all start like smiling and they all start waving like individually individually as I'm running and I'm so overwhelmed by their by them their their happiness and their joy and their simplicity and the it was just the the biggest like radiation of love and simple joy in life and as I'm running I'm, I'm also thinking, like, where am I going? I hope this, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to remember how to get back from here. I get to the end of the village. It literally stops at a rice field. So I think a majority of it was, like, they're laughing, waving, and playing with me. But they're also, like, where is this queen going? Like, this is the end of the road. Like, there is nothing further. And I hit the end of the rice field. And I literally collapsed because I had never, I was so overwhelmed by the feeling that they emitted from their little baby village, the little kids all walking together to school with their sticks. Like it was just so simple, but so pure and happiness and cohesiveness and community was so palpable Mm -hmm. that it just absolutely blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And it's moments like that, that I find all around the world, whether it's in Zanzibar in in a jungle that's filled with spices and the entire village knows exactly what tree does what and the little kids are running around playing with papayas the size of their heads like and they're so happy but they're they're just living off the land and like loving being alive and being human and being connected like that to me is the most inspiring humble spots and that's why I travel and that's those are like the the connected moments that I that I see and experience that really change me it's beautiful that's beautiful there's a piece in there, and I've had a few people on the show, and you said it very eloquently. They didn't. Um, you know, they were good-hearted people who were on charity missions or doing work. I used to live in a village in Uganda teaching organic farming. Mm-hmm. And so often people will, you know, as a tourist, go by versus as someone who stops and stays, which oftentimes you do. Um, okay. and, and these people were, you know, voluntary tourists who popped in to build this house and leave the next day. And it's wonderful work. It's great stuff. But so often the comment they make is, I met these people who had nothing but seemed to be so happy. And and the way you said it is true. It, it's not that they have nothing. Because I always pa- stop them and go, whoa, 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 what do you mean by nothing? 
And they go, well, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 explain it. And I always say, okay, let's start with questions. Do they have, do they have each other? Yeah. Do they have love? Yeah. Do they have family? Yeah. Do they have people who care about them? Yeah. Do they have their health? Yeah. Okay. What are they missing? And, and there's a piece there where, like you said, it's simple living, but it's rich living because they have the things that matter most in life. Um, so often, like you said, in the U S and other places, we get caught up in all this stuff thinking if we can just have this or just have that, or just get here or just get there or just do this or just do that, then everything will be magical. Right. And it takes away the simplicity of, of the magnificence and beauty of life, which is being in a position and place where you realize what matters most. And more often than not, it sucks that tragedy has to inspire this, but more often than not, you know, a wildfire has to burn down the neighborhood for people to get together and realize, oh my God, everyone's okay and we have everything we need, which is each other and our health and we're alive. And it's like, wow. And it sucks that the houses all have to go and all this stuff has to disappear. But sometimes it's the thing that shake us down to the core, kind of like your moment in New York City where life shook you down to the core. You didn't have a, a lot left, but you have everything you needed to keep going and to build the life that you really wanted, which was a heart that's beating, a breath in your lungs, and the tenacity to say, hey, I'm going to freaking do something with this. Right. Uh, and it's very powerful, very powerful. I love the journey you're taking us on here. Um, yeah. Here's a question. What's an awe-inspiring moment, a moment that just left your jaw on the ground? Hmm. Awe-inspiring. I think I think one of the things that always inspire, like always creates, leaves me with so much awe is nature. Um, which is because I, I find it to be so much bigger than 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 my brain can quite possibly understand. Um, I think for a good example of when I've just been, you know, slapped in the face by the beauty of the world that we live in and awestruck by it. I was in I was in the Philippines um, on a on a journey with one of my um, girlfriends who's a photographer, and we. I don't know how it happened. I guess it's just luck in Boracay. I wasn't really, we went to Boracay and I wasn't really in, in the mood. It was kind of like a party scene. And, you know, it's just like, like so many of the other places that I'd been. And, and this, this, this resort was recommended to us that we go, it's, it was owned by a, a couple who like flew over and knew that that was their island. And they had redone it in this way that, you know, they had been to the Maldives and the Seychelles and Hawaii, and they built it based on all of their different visions of what the perfect place was and all this stuff. So I found myself on a flight to El Nido and got picked up on a speedboat and by this couple. And they took me to their like James Bond meets like the beach island. And it was incredible. And what happened was they they were explaining over dinner one night how they how they did it because I was just so impressed by what they did. And they asked me and my girlfriend if we wanted to take the boat, their boat over to their, their, their neighbor's island. And we went over there and we watched the sunset and had like these kind of incredible painkiller type cocktails and watched the sunset. And after the sunset, I got a little nervous because it was quite a far distance. And on the way over the boat, it was, it's a pretty small boat. Um, and it was pretty choppy on the way over. And now it's dark. So I was kind of feeling a bit nervous because I feel like that's like the beginning of every like story. And it's like, and then they were out to sea and it was a good idea. But, you know, so I was like just feeling a bit unsure. And, and I got onto the boat and realized that there was no moon at all. And upon realizing this, I looked up and the stars were like the most concentrated 
bright <laughs> stars I've ever seen in my entire life. And you could see all the constellations and the Milky Way and the outline. It was mind blowing. Hmm. And I just sat at the front of the boat, like unable to like close my mouth, staring up at these incredible sky. And as we start moving, I realized the entire ocean is glass. It's this super calm, beautiful, majestic glass. And I'm like so safe and like so comfortable. And like, I was so shocked and it was so warm and calm. I felt like I was on a lake in Minnesota. It was like wild. And then as we keep moving, I start seeing these like sparks flying out of the water. And I'm like, what is going on? I have no idea what's happening. And I peer over the edge of the boat and it's these lime green spots of light coming out of the water. And I look back at the boat that at the wake of the boat and it's like this fluorescent trail of bioluminescence that we're going through. And it was this, I mean, from, and I just started bawling. So I was like, what is going on? It was the most beautiful and, and you could see like all of the islands that are so, so known and so iconic in the Philippines and even in Thailand, where there are these like, like shadowy mounds that were kind of protecting us. And we're moving through this glass-like water and this lime green bioluminescence spraying off the boat and the stars are, you know, sh they're shooting stars and it's all vibrant. And I just was like, how is, how am I able to be in a place like this, in a world that's this beautiful? And it was just like so overwhelming to take in. And I was, and it, that was probably one of the most awe striking moments of, of the beautiful world that we live in. Hmm. What a special moment. What a special yeah. moment. We're going to take a twist with this one. What's okay. your greatest fear? Hmm. Ironically, flying <laughs> would probably be <laughs> one of my biggest fears. Of all the things. I know. <laughs> Of everything that I could be afraid of. And it also, it like struck me randomly. It was like one day I was flying home for Christmas and was like, nope, I'm suddenly not okay with this. Like, I don't know what happened. I think it was a sudden loss of control or feeling like I can't, I, just, I have no choice if something happened. Um, but yeah, I just got really, really afraid of like the noises. I don't know. I just like didn't understand it. So, and I'm still very, a very nervous flyer. Um, I obviously do it all the time, um, which is a good part of good lesson to learn, I guess, for the, you know, moving forward with everything wholeheartedly, even if you're afraid of it, because I have to do it every single day. But, um, I, I think the only time that I finally dealt, even though it's not over, I mean, it's going to be a constant thing unless I start flying. Actually, I did fly a plane once in Botswana and then I felt even more scared because I'm terrible at flying planes. I've never tried it. So I did get to fly a plane a little bit in Botswana to try and take the fear into my hands. And that was not a good idea. Uh, I wouldn't suggest it. Um, but I also, the one thing I wanted to do was kind of play with that idea of being super afraid of something. Um, because, be it because you can't control the situation or because you've had a trauma of some kind. Because I've definitely had some really bad flights in the past. And I think for me, being like, okay. I'm afraid of this. This is definitely, this is my body's reacting to this. I'm nervous. I'm grabbing onto the seat. I'm freaking out the person next to me. Um, knowing that full well, what are you going to do with that information then? And I think one of my favorite moments because of my fear was so big was I was on a trip to, to Dubai and 
I looked up what's the best thing to do in Dubai because I mean it's I mean there's skiing indoors, there's an aquarium, there's like there's like so many everything is built for tourists. And one of the things that I saw was skydiving. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, like this is something like this would be my fear head on. <laughs> Literally jumping out of a plane. And so I decided to wake up every single day because I didn't, I mean, apparently there was to, to skydive the palm in Dubai. There's like a, you know, wait list of like, you know, three months or something like that. And I, and I, so I woke up at, because you have to get up at like four in the morning and, and go over to this place and I didn't have a reservation. So what happened was I'd have to go there in the morning and wait and hope that someone didn't show up or there was a cancellation and that I'd be able to jump out of a plane. So like I'm willingly waking up at four in the morning every day. In the first three days, one day the humidity was bad. The second, the humidity is too high. It's too dangerous because you fall too fast out of the sky. Okay, all of those people now are going to the next day. And I still didn't give up hope. I was like, I, I have to do this. This is like my biggest fear. And by the time I, I went three days in a row at four in the morning, never getting on. And it was my last day. On the fourth day, I woke up and I was like, I don't care. I still have to try. I got to go. If I don't go this morning, I'm never going to know if I could, if I could have done it. So I got on the, on the, in a taxi and I went over to the thing and it's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and everyone's going. The weather is fine. And finally they call my name and I'm so scared and I'm so amped and I have so much adrenaline coursing through my body that I was like, oh my God. And they're like, you can go today. Are you, are you ready? And I was like, absolutely. I was like, I have waited for four days. And then my brain just kind of switched into like, this is it mode. Like now we're going to do it. And what's crazy is I wasn't afraid at all because I had pre mentally prepared. I was more stressed out waiting for it to go on the plane. And what's crazy is the second we got on the plane and the plane took off, I, for the first time, ironically, felt extremely safe and it isn't because there was a great pilot or the weather was good it was because i was like if this plane decides to crash i can jump out and be fine i was like this is gonna be great like i'm actually i have an option that if this plane decides to take a dive i can just jump out and be okay so that was really fun um but basically you know jumping getting pulled out of that plane because i i definitely was i was the last person to go and uh you know that you have someone strapped tandem to your back was one of the most liberating incredible feelings because one i was i'm so so afraid of of flying and of the lack of control and 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 then also you know i think skydiving goes against every bone in your body like surviving like this is a bad idea like it was so it was just really interesting to to play with that adrenaline going head on against a fear of my one of my biggest fears, and then also kind of learning to find the balance and the safety and the and the and the mental um, the mental space for something like that. I think fear is a good thing. I think it teaches teaches people kind of where their heart is and and what's important to them, and kind of it's it's a good reference point. So I think that's kind of that was my biggest fear. It's powerful. And still is. <laughs> and now you pack a parachute on every flight. Exactly. I'm like, where <laughs> is my parachute? I'm like, I don't want an inflatable ring that I blow into. I was like, I want a parachute on my back. I was like, this is, this is a way better option. It's okay. It prepares all other guests on that flight for an interesting experience. As you walk on, you're like, hey, we're good. We're good. And everyone stares at you like, oh, crap. We don't have a parachute. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got my squirrel suit. I'm good. Like, yeah. I was like, so ready. <laughs> 
Yeah. What are you most excited about for your future? <sighs> this is a great question. I am, um, I did a really awesome meditation in the beginning of the year, um, cause it was a new moon and I kind of like to focus more instead of being like, what's my new year's resolution. Cause I feel that's very daunting. I like to take it like a month at a time. And I did a big meditation, big refocusing. And, and what came through was that I've, I've gone on these epic journeys and I've, you know, really tried to fight and find who I am and what I believe in. And and what I feel like my my future is holding, because I feel like I'm my own crystal ball sometimes, is I'm I'm really heavily interested in in holding space and 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 giving inspiration to women to find and and channel their inner goddess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that to me is something that I'm look like I'm I'm working on and I'm focusing on because I find that um, falling in love with myself took a lot of time and took a lot of trust and took a lot of effort and knowing and sharing that that story and that that wisdom with the powerful women around me it's not just women but I I I I just found that I had this this calling that I wanted to connect on a deeper level with with strong independent motivated incredible women and give them a space to feel who they are and, and, and shine super bright and then inspire all those around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I've been, been working on and been building. And I'm born on Valentine's day, um, which is hilarious. I was like three weeks premature. I'm like, I'm the baby of love, like coming out early. So I don't know what happened there, but yeah. I, I've had to balance being, you know, someone's girlfriend or being single. It's like, there's, there's all these like daunting things that come around Valentine's day, you know, like, Oh, so sorry. You're alone. Like all the restaurants are fully booked and they're a prefix menu. You know, it's, it's been an interesting journey. And what I, what I, what came to me, for example, right in this, this year was with, with this divine goddess and kind of helping and inspiring women to be who they are and find what the, their value and, 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 and shine really brightly is, I decided to create, uh, I like made up an event where I was like, let's do it then. This, this is what I want to do. And this is my gift that I want to share. And I'm creating a goddess Galentine's weekend retreat. <laughs> I was super excited. And I basically, what I've done is I'm, I've, co- I've collaborated with all these beautiful brands that I've worked with in the past or that I've always been inspired by, whether they're organic, sustainable products or they're, you know, incredible apps or technology or whatever it is that inspires and motivates and and helps us kind of be our best versions of ourselves. I'm collaborating with them to create this free weekend for these incredible movers and shakers and artists and and activists um, to go somewhere on Valentine's Day where it's about love, but it's about self-love and it's about uh, community of, uh, you know, a, a love within a community and, and, and not just, Oh, what, what flowers did he give you? What, what restaurant are you going to? You know, there just wasn't an option for beautiful and, you know, strong women to do something that wasn't about a boyfriend or a husband or a girlfriend, even, you know, it's just about, um, creating a space where you can, you can push boundaries and you can, you can have the choice to focus on self-love and focus on finding your inner voice and following that, that dream. Mm. So that's what makes me so excited. And it's coming. It's, it's so, so exciting. There's so many incredible women coming and incredible brands that are pumped about it. It's just like, it feels really right. And it feels like a new space for me. I like that. (laughs) 
So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Very things cool, like that. Very fun. Well, we're yeah. going to switch to the second segment of the show. We call this the nuts and bolts. This is, okay. the, let me see if I can say this phrase. This is the tactical, tangible, applicable, practical, immediately mm -hmm. applicable kind of stuff for everyone listening. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and, and the first question here is, where do you currently focus the majority of your thoughts and time and life each day as of right now? Mm. I think a majority of my thoughts and timing. Um, I mean, every, I, have, I, I, I try to focus a lot of my things in the morning during a meditation of who am I, what do I want, and where am I going? And I ask those questions. A friend of mine actually shared that with me, and I really, really loved it um, because we don't know all the answers. And if we did, we'd be doing everything by now. <laughs> and so I think it's really healthy to remember you are on a journey and that is going to unfold in ways you can't imagine, expect, or predict. And, you know, opening up those questions of who am I? What do I want? Where am I going? Mm. You know, it, and, and, and allowing them to be unanswered and go out into the universe and then show up in your life in different ways that you don't expect, you don't control, I think is what I'm learning right now. And it's a beautiful space to be in. Even if things go wrong and even if things don't turn out the way they should, it's great to have that as a practice because then you know this is its way of showing up in your life. Whether you expected it or not is not really a concern. It's the it's it's part of the journey. Um, and I think that's a really like that's been really helpful and incredible for me because because we can't control things and because you know the the journey is unfolding in front of us, you know, and some people like to believe, and I know I've thought. We are, we are, you know, moving forward in the direction that we know is for us. And I think, you know, yes, we have some control over that stuff. But at the end of the day, knowing that you're flexible and fluid and you can flow with what comes at you is, is, the, is the, one of the easiest ways of, of dealing with things that, that you don't expect. And, and finding also the beautiful things that come into your life that you could have never predicted. And allowing that openness in your mind that like, if you knew the way you'd already be doing it. So open your eyes and allow like, you know, the, the things that you don't know and you, and you, you, you can't imagine to come in. And I think that's where the magic happens. It is. It is. I grew up being told a phrase and the phrase was, it's the amount of uncertainty that you can comfortably live with that'll determine how the quality of your life. Mm. I like, that's wow. beautiful. That's interesting. That's beautiful. And it's like the more uncertainty that you can live with, the more you can step into that place of, like you said, who am I? What do I want? Where am I going? And to not need an answer right this second to allow right. it to find that place of pure uncertainty and allow your soul and heart to guide you, allow your gut to kind of tell you if you're in the right place or wrong place moment to moment. It's so powerful. It's not something we're being, like you said in the beginning, it's not something traditionally uh, at least here in the United States, we're being trained on very well. Mm -hmm. um, people have a path and you're supposed to stick to it and defend that path with all your might and land up at a certain box with a, a certain number and a certain amount of kids and everything else. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's a predetermined little journey. Yes. And, and so to be able to step into the uncertainty and be able to, to allow the question to be asked without needing an answer right now, but allow your heart and spirit to guide you in the journey is a beautiful, beautiful, magnificent ability to, to step into that power and i think people forget how powerful it is because it feels like right. it's powerless in that moment right but they don't really know how powerful it is until you see someone do it mm. and like you said when you stepped out everyone was like oh my god what are you doing and now they look <laughs> back and go fuck how do i do that 
Totally. Uh, <laughs> because they, they're seeing someone in their power. They're seeing someone claim that uncertainty and stand so powerfully in a moment of complete unknown. But right. do it with that essence of just, hey, I'll figure it out as it rolls. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. What would you say in all of this is one of the keys to your success? I would say uh, key to my success would probably, like I said in the beginning, kind of just never allowing a no to, to kill you because it's, it's, it's inevitable. And um, the amount of times I've gotten, there's a, I think it's a Harvard professor or someone who did the, this, this resume of failures. Have you, I don't know if you've seen that, mm -hmm. but I, it's one, it's an amazing uh, CV of all this professor, the things that he got no's on, the things that he failed on, because the things that we see on, on resumes and even on Instagram and, you know, all, all the, the way that we paint social media and our lives, we, we, we show our best self. We show our most successful, our, mo our, our, our wins, you know, and I think the, the way to keep the way to stay grounded and the thing like the way to move forward is to remember that like every single person is going to have failures and they're going to have no's and and it's and more often than not you get a hell of a lot more no's than yeses and you know people will always reach out to me and say how did you find that hotel to stay at I mean I've been reaching out because now it's so overpopulated let's say for like blogging or whatever maybe I'm like, too many people wrote back to me and said, no, like, no, we have no space. No, we don't believe in you. No, this is not right. No, your pictures suck. No, whatever, whatever they want to say, they would say. And then you just keep, you pick up your stuff and you keep moving and you, you keep finding the people that find your value and, and see your vision and, and believe in you. And like, not everyone's going to be on the same page and, and you're going to get a lot of no's. And I think the beauty is the way you keep going is how you handle the nose and it's with grace and with trust in yourself and the journey, like we said, in the unknown that really can change the game and change your direction. Powerful. Powerful. Well, we've come to our final question, which is Already? what is one actionable tip that can help others achieve and experience the kind of success in their life that you've created in yours? I would say, I think taking the time to listen to your voice is a big part of it. Um, we're all really, everyone these days are so busy, so many like things going on, so many, I mean, especially if people have children and, and husbands or, or, or family members are taking care of, I mean, it's, we all have so much going on. I mean, my, I have like seven jobs going on right now and it's wild and I'm overwhelmed, but I think the one thing that helps me through every single step, because if you're not looking for a boyfriend, you're looking for an apartment. If you're not looking for an apartment, you're looking for a job. If you're not looking for a job, I mean, it's just, it's always something you're always wanting and needing. And it's, you know, it's kind of what you said, it's a insatiable need to, to, to acquire. And I think the one thing that like the staple in it all is taking, even if it's five, 10 minutes a day, whether it's in the tub or on your commute or, or in your car, to ask yourself, like, am I okay? Am I, am I living? Am I happy? Okay. Like check in every day can be different, but I just, I think like I was saying with the radio, like tune in till you can hear your voice and, you, and, 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 and talk to yourself and listen to kind of what you're feeling, like what is coming up. And, you know, and I think what I love so much, uh, and this is kind of my biggest philosophy when I'm moving through life is 
every single day, every conversation, every car Uber ride, every person, every, you know, flight attendant, every, every single conversation, person, interaction, engagement is a test for me. Can I bring joy? Can I bring happiness? Can I touch them in some way? Can I add value? Because at the end of the day, giving and being aware and being mindful and present and cognizant brings me happiness, joy, you know, like purpose. And I think that only comes from me being very aware of who I am, what I'm doing and checking in with myself. And that has to happen every day or it's like homework. You know, you have to check in, you have to listen, you have to ask, you have to be mindful, aware, bring your focus to the present. Like all of those things that people say, yes, it's like, it's, it's, it's essential. But at the end of the day, if you can, if you can be aware of, of what you're feeling because you gave yourself 10 minutes to kind of clear your mental plate, it makes me react to people differently or I respond instead of reacting, you know, it's, it's, it just changes my entire dynamic because I give myself that little outlet to journal, to listen, to speak, to find my calm. And then that eventually ripples into my day. And I think that's having, keeping that safe space for yourself is one of the best ways to, to hear what your truth is and follow who you are and, and then, and then practice embodying that and going through it with unconditional love and support for yourself. I think that's my biggest, my biggest tip. That's beautiful. You've discovered one of the secrets to life, <laughs> which is really so deeply true. The reason why most people are just rampantly miserable in their relationships is because they're hoping to get something from it. Right. And, and that secret that you just shared is wildly important. When you mm -hmm. fall in love with the process of giving to, a human, a stranger, a lover, a moment. If you love the process of giving, mm. then you don't need anything in return. What comes back is a bonus. The, right. the beauty of being able to bring that joy to someone's life or bring that value to that moment for somebody. If you can love that process, you will shine and thrive in every relationship. Um, it, it's, you know, you mentioned relationships earlier. That's that's the golden rule in relationships. When people finally figure that one out, everything seems to change. <laughs> totally. It's, 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 it's beautiful. It's a beautiful I, thing. I love what you said. Getting quiet enough, getting still enough, finding enough space to listen to your voice. Am I okay? Am I happy? Uh, tune in until you can hear your voice. And, and learning to, it seems, on your journey to trust that voice. Right. Very cool. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing so much wisdom and so many awesome mm -hmm. stories and fun adventures. If mm -hmm. people want to connect with you, find more about what you're up to, check out your projects that you're working on, where can we send them? Uh, so you can check me out. I have Instagram, which is the Blonde Vagabond, and Blonde is with me. And they can email me. So it's Jordan, uh, J-O-R-D-Y-N, mm -hmm. at theblondevagabond.com. And I also have a blog, which is the blondebaggerbar.com. <laughs> All the same. All the same places. Very cool. Well, go check her out. It's how I crossed paths with her somehow online. One of her cool pictures popped up. And I was like, well, that's cool. Um, and, and please check out her website. Check out her projects. She does a hell of a job at, at taking people on a journey, uh, not only through the stories you've heard here, but through her writing and all her other projects. So make sure to check her out. And, and for those of you tuning in, if you heard something that you love, something that 
you know someone needs to hear, a friend, a colleague, a family member, um, please share it with them. We believe that sharing is caring. We like caring people around here, so make sure to share. And we very much look forward to seeing you all next episode. Thank you.